Modern. 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 We're prepping for a voyage. Modern. The force of an old-fashioned equals whiskey mass times bitters acceleration. Why don't you make that a double? Modern Bar Cart. What's shaking, cocktail fans? Welcome to episode 170 of the Modern Bar Cart Podcast. I'm your host, Modern Bar Cart CEO, Eric Koslick. Thanks for joining me for this inaugural Modern Bar Cart Live episode. And since it's the first one, let me explain what these things are going to be. See, there's this uh, rule in podcasting that you get to 170 episodes and you're obligated to start a live streaming side of the operation. So that's exactly what we've done. I invested in a bunch of fancy equipment and our goal is to come to you live a couple times per month on your favorite social media platforms, most notably at the moment, Facebook and YouTube. But we're also trying to figure out smart ways to plug in Instagram and other apps that privilege the sort of portrait oriented video taken from a smartphone. So stay tuned as we kind of figure that side of things out. We talk about what these live streams are going to look like a little bit during the episode, but I want to assure you that moving forward, we're going to make these episodes separate and distinct from our normal numbered episodes. So when you go to your podcast app, there's going to be no question whether you're about to listen to a live episode or one of our pre-recorded interviews or audio essays. Also, we're hoping to put up a calendar in 2021 announcing what spirits we'll be featuring in these streams so that if you'd like to follow along at home in real time, you can totally do that. To be honest, I've been asked by a ton of folks to do Zoom cocktail classes and charge an admission fee, and I just refuse to because I wouldn't pay for that sort of thing. I'd buy a book about cocktails or I'd find some podcast out there with hundreds of hours of cocktail information available for free before I'd pay to sit in front of a screen full of strangers and listen to their screaming kids while I try to learn how to make drinks. So that's not what we're doing here. We're offering live, free, nutrient-dense tastings and review sessions, and you won't have to sign up for Patreon or otherwise pay for the content. If you can join us live, you can chat in on whatever platform we're on, and we'll try and work your questions and tasting notes into the stream. And if you can't join us for any reason, you can just head on over to YouTube at your leisure and experience the whole episode after the fact. It's all free because I don't believe in charging for information. On the video and social media side of the stream, we're still working on getting the quality to exactly where we want it, so expect each stream to get a little bit better and a little smoother than the ones that came before. You can find the full video of this session by heading over to our YouTube channel and hitting up the Modern Bar Cart Live playlist. That said, we have a hell of an episode for you this time around because Modern Bar Cart co-founder Ethan Hall was able to get his hands on a bottle of a rare chartreuse, and we taste it side-by-side with both the green and yellow expressions. As I've said many times before, chartreuse is my favorite liquid on the planet, and there's so much to talk about when it comes to the world's most complex alpine liqueur. But before we get all herbal and minty here, let's give you the chance to make yourself a drink. This episode's featured cocktail is the Widow's Kiss. To make it, you'll need one and a half ounces of apple brandy. Calvados is traditional, but Applejack is a suitable American substitute. Three quarters of an ounce of yellow chartreuse, three quarters of an ounce of Benedictine liqueur, and several dashes of aromatic bitters. We, of course, like to use our embitterment aromatic bitters. 
Combine these ingredients in a mixing glass with ice, stir for about 15 to 20 seconds until the mixture is well chilled and properly diluted, then strain into a stemmed cocktail glass and garnish with a brandied cherry. The Widow's Kiss cocktail showcases three prototypically French spirits, Calvados, Yellow Chartreuse, and Benedictine, which is another herbal liqueur produced by another order of Catholic monks. This is an excellent formulation to pull out if you prefer sweet but balanced cocktails. It's definitely on the sweet and boozy side, but I would hazard to say that it's not for everybody and that you really need to nail the dilution on this drink. You just can't get away with under diluting it because it'll be both too hot and too sweet on the palate if you do. This cocktail along with the Diamondback cocktail are really the only places you're going to see yellow chartreuse used in a cocktail format. So if you're an aficionado of esoteric liqueurs, I really do think you owe it to yourself to try these things with other ingredients instead of solely sipping them neat or on the rocks. So now that you've got yourself a perfect drink to welcome the cold weather and the holiday season, let's turn our attention back to the episode. Some of the topics that I discuss with Modern Bar Cart co-founder Ethan Hall and our friend and livestream producer Eric Holtzman include the history of chartreuse, including its origins as a medicinal elixir, its ties to the phylloxera plague that killed all the grapes in France, and its rise to notoriety. What distinguishes yellow and green chartreuse from one another flavor-wise, even though the recipes are known only to two people on the planet, and how their different distillate bases tell stories that extend far beyond their alpine cloister. What types of ingredients and flavors you'll typically find in genipes and alpine liqueurs across the board, and how chartreuse fits into that category while also playing with a great deal of exotic spices and botanicals. Then we taste our rare bottle, the ninth centenary liqueur, produced to honor the 900th anniversary of the Carthusian order who are responsible for producing chartreuse. We talk about how we source this bottle, what makes it special, and how it adds to the flavor story of the chartreuse lineup. This was a really special tasting, and we're hoping to bring you a whole lot more in the coming months and in 2021. Huge thanks to Ethan Hall and our streaming producer, Eric Holtzman. And with that, please enjoy this inaugural edition of Modern Bar Cart Live. So we're going to start this live chartreuse tasting. Uh, I'm here with Modern Bar Cart co-founder, Ethan Hall, and uh, we've got ourselves a little live streaming set up here, obviously, and uh, I thought we would just, you know, kind of kick this off with uh, one of my favorite liquids. So uh, why don't you uh, just introduce yourself to the to the listeners out there, and um, then we can talk about how we're going to run these live streams and kind of what we're doing with it. Sure. Uh, Kaz pointed out, yeah, I'm going to be referring to him as Kaz. That's Eric Koslick to the rest of you. Uh, Kaz is, uh, introduced me perfectly fine. I'm the co-founder of Modern Bar Cart, uh, good old friend of the podcast and everyone on the podcast. Uh, Kaz introduced me to Chartreuse way back in around 2014 when he was super excited about this weird green liquid he tasted. I told him it tasted like the forest floor, and I meant that as a compliment. And really sorry to all you Instagram Live people who just get to hear my voice. Yeah, uh, so, sorry to everybody on Instagram. Uh, we'll get this. We'll get this figured out. Uh, but yeah, so I, I want to talk a little bit about how we're gonna work this live stream into our podcasting and social media efforts, basically. 
we're going to be using the live stream as a supplement, sort of like if anyone out there's a Joe Rogan listener, blah, 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 uh, he has these uh, fight companions that he does. And, and they're sort of in the same universe as the podcast, but they're specialized in a certain way. And so, you know, he calls that out. So, so when you look at our podcast feed, what you're going to see moving forward is you're going to see like probably NBC live and it's going to have its own episode number that doesn't correspond to our normal sort of interview and deep dive style episodes. And I think that's kind of the, the good way to do it. I want people to be able to listen to just the audio. Uh, but the cool thing about the video, minus you folks out there in Instagram land, is that we're actually going to be tasting through spirits live. And and hopefully what we're going to be able to do in 2021 is publish a calendar so that you can see ahead of time what we're going to be tasting. And if you want to taste along with us, you'll be able to procure the bottles and do that. So I'm super stoked. Yeah, this is a really special auspicious episode because we're doing something that we're going to try not to do every time. We've bought something that it will be pretty hard for you to find. Typically what we're going to do is we're going to try to showcase either a brand or a product with uh, some recommendations of where you can go pick that up in your local neighborhood and what to look for. Um, We have that with the yellow and the green chartreuse here, Mm -hmm. but we'll be talking about something that you know, if you're lucky enough to be able to try it, uh, taste along with us and we will try not to rub it in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is, this is certainly a, a really special one. That's why I really, I wanted to kick it off with this, but, uh, to give you a little, little bit of context, what I'm thinking about doing, uh, is two different types of, of streams. One, we're going to try and do a, str- uh, a live stream style where we actually review bottles. Uh, so generally these are going to be either newer bottles that hit the market from perhaps larger producers or craft bottles from a part of the country that maybe you're not aware of that, hey, maybe maybe they actually do have distribution in your state, but you might have to go a little bit further afield to find these things. So uh, we'll do some review episodes like that. And then uh, obviously, I, I know that you're super excited to do some themed episodes because you've been on a pretty big rum kick lately. Yeah, so uh, we'll we'll just you know we'll we'll bury the lead a little bit here, but there will be some special bottles that I've I've used this as an excuse to purchase some things I might otherwise not. Um, that's going to be a recurring theme. It's going to be the Ethan's Large S episodes mm-hmm. where we're just going to taste something that uh, I need an excuse to buy. Mm-hmm. That's fair. That's fair. Um, you've, I mean, you've been do, going super deep on rum, right? Yeah. Been, uh, been chasing it down the, down the rabbit holes of areas of origin, blending, distillation, aging, where you get your sugar from. And, uh, you know, we've got some opinions and because it's the internet, you all get to hear those opinions. Yeah. And we do have, uh, here off camera. Well, technically on Instagram, we're all off camera, but, uh, but off camera here, we do have, uh, our producer, Holtzy, Holtzy, say hi to the listeners. Hey, what's up, everybody? Uh, so uh, explain your role in this, because you're, you're a, sort of a, a longtime friend of, of both Ethan and I, but uh, tell us what you're bringing to these streams. Yeah, Just I in, think... In terms of your palate, in terms of like I think where, that, how you approach yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that, <clears throat> I mean, honestly speaking, um, when it comes to, especially when you're tasting and looking for, say, uh, the certain... The different senses, you know, what what you're smelling or, or, or tasting, of course, I will readily admit I'm maybe not the most sophisticated a taster or knowledgeable taster. So I kind of think of myself as your resident, um, what would be kind of your 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 average Joe walking into a tasting, um, but with the goal 
of through that education, like hopefully, well, probably most definitely in my case, learning a thing or two and, um, you know, appreciating everything from the educational part of it, the history part of it. And then of course the actual, you know, the tasting, the taste, the smell, the overall, um, experience. So just, uh, depending on, you know, who's out there listening and or watching, um, I'm probably on the very same page as you. Yeah. So the voice of reason, the, the populist, uh, in the room and, uh, you know, one thing we're going to have to be careful with is that Ethan and I like to get a little bit esoteric with our tasting notes. So, uh, I think, I think we'll manage, we'll keep each other in line. Uh, but, uh, why don't we, uh, Ethan, why don't you introduce us a little bit to what we're going to be tasting tonight? Just give us the general overview and then, then we'll start, uh, checking out what's in these glasses. All right. So a little bit of background on chartreuse. Mm-hmm. That's what we want to get at. Yeah. All right. So there is a group of liqueurs called chartreuse. They are produced historically by an order of monks that was founded in 1084. Uh, the Carthusian monks, yeah, we're getting a little bit weird here, um, have produced some interesting herbal liqueurs for hundreds of years. Uh, they got, they've got kind of a nuclear codes thing going with their uh, recipes. Very closely guarded. No, uh, no monk has the entire recipe. And they pass it down in this weird tradition that makes it even more marketable and more interesting. Uh you go across the go across the board. The ones that have persisted that you'll find at your local liquor store are your yellow chartreuse and your green chartreuse. Yellow is an interesting one because for whatever reason, in a lot of these different markets, it will cost you a little bit more. I think mm-hmm. it's a little bit more delicate on the palate. It is a lower ABV, but it's a really solid product and representative of the entire broader Genopy category of liqueurs. Green. That's the one that you'll find in the last word. Order a last word from your bartender. Mm-hmm. Great drink. Well, when bars reopen in your local neighborhood. Uh, also the Bijou. A few other drinks like that that are just classics of that world. Right. It's a, it's a path to France. And then we have this, uh, this one that I'm not going to butcher the French, but this is a version of Chartreuse that was originally released to commemorate the 900th anniversary of the Carthusian order of monks. So yes, yeah, so I'll give you my attempt at the French pronunciation. So this is the Chartreuse liqueur de neuvième centenaire. So neuvième means ninth. So the ninth centenary of not the production of this juice. This is important. I, I don't want people to think that this is a spirit that's been in production for almost a thousand years. It's been in production for a long freaking time, but it's not like a millennium old. Um, this is to celebrate the founding of the order of St. Bruno, the Carthusian monks. And, you know, so the 1084, so this was created in 1984 for the first time. And it's been in production in small batches, uh, since then. I I can't tell you if it's been in production continuously since then, but, um, yeah, there's there's a lot to dig into when it comes to chartreuse in that they started making this in the 18 early 1800s, correct? Yeah, I believe it's a couple hundred years old at this point. Yeah, and and so that was still a time in France where you had some class upheaval and you had some reapportionment of vineyards and distilleries in yeah, a weird way. Can, can I back it up actually a little bit? I, yeah, yeah. I was, uh, I just checked my notes. So it's based on a recipe from 1605. So we're talking about as old as we're going to keep returning to this about as old as rum. 
mm-hmm. when we really think about it. It was something, you know, chartreuse as we know it was created as an elixir in the 1730s. So this this survived several different phases of the French monarchy. Uh, one of the bigger, I'll just call it one of the things that happened to the production of chartreuse for a while. The revolution happened in France uh, in the 1790s. They actually expelled that order of monks from mm-hmm. the country, um, which meant the intellectual property. This is the funny thing. Throughout history, even in, even as long ago as the 1790s, the intellectual property associated with alcohols uh, ended up becoming the uh, you know, the the property of a revolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll see this in Cuba with Bacardi and Havana Club rum. You're seeing this with Chartreuse. Uh, ultimately, you know this is also wrapped up in Napoleon's push to get sugar beets uh, to drive down the price of sugar so that he could fund his war effort. Point being, this is a product that has gone through, you know, the entire history of modern France, if you will. Right, and so that uh, that elixir that you were referencing, it, it, you can get a take on it today called the Elixir Vegetal. We actually considered grabbing that also from uh, Domestique. Domestique being a, a liquor store in D.C. That, that tends to specialize in some some nicer bottles. Um, so big shout out to Domestique. If you're in D.C., definitely worth checking out their online store and either scheduling an in-store pickup or uh, having them deliver right to you. And uh, so they, I believe they carried the elixir, right? They carried the elixir. They carried this one and another edition we opted not to get. Uh, it was a edition basically created by a bunch of like the French court of master sommeliers, I believe. Yeah. So it was a bunch of wine people. people making chartreuse. Yeah. And to give you an idea, chartreuse for the home bartender, I know we try to you know, alternate between things that are going to be a bit of a, a, a bit of a hefty purchase and things that you should always keep in your bar. Uh, a bottle of green or yellow chartreuse will run you about 60 bucks, 50 if you're lucky. Um, it's something you can keep on your home bar and you will use it frequently enough, but it, it really lasts you a long time. It's not your mm-hmm. it's not your workhorse bourbon or gin. Uh, the, you know, you're only going to be using it in the order of one ounce per cocktail at most. Yeah, and so the special edition, that one did set us back 100 bucks. This is the first time we're drinking it. That, in my mind, worth it. If you see this on a shelf, I couldn't actually find that many websites written in English that carried it or referenced it. So I think we were pretty lucky in being able to find this. So it is a once in a lifetime purchase. Um, And I know a hundred dollars doesn't sound like a once in a lifetime purchase, but that's, it's sort of like a, a, an availability thing. Um, So I do want to quickly return to a couple more historical, maybe not facts, but connections that might help us learn a little bit more about the history of chartreuse, where it's made and also the, the formulation, um, which is, of course, secret, but, you know, discerning palates are able to pick out some distinct flavors, and we'll, and we'll get into those. So talking about where it's made, right? So it's made in a region of France called, uh, it's the, the largest, like, metropolis, one might say, is, is a city called Grenoble, and that is in eastern central France. So it's kind of near the borders of Italy and Switzerland, uh, I was actually going to uh, visit Chartreuse uh, this past September, and so our plan was actually to fly into Geneva and take a train to Grenoble and then another train to Voiron, Voiron being the sort of smallish city where it's uh, that, that it's based, and then outside of Voiron is where the, the monastery uh, that houses the Order of St. Bruno. So this is an area of east-central France, and... Obviously, that's where they're sourcing all, uh, uh, not all of, about a third of these alpine 
botanicals and herbs. And uh, one other guy who I am just obsessed with was from that area. His name was Jean-Antoine Briat-Savarin. He was a, a, a judge and he wrote uh, The Physiology of Taste or Meditations on Transcendental Gastronomy. And he was famously, depending on what decade it was, either in favor or out of favor with the administration. So he had vineyards in this region and he got them confiscated. So talking about the reapportionment that was taking place around the time between when this recipe was presented in, what was that, the seven, 1737, when this was presented in 1737 and when, you know, uh, Char Green Chartreuse was sort of launched in the, uh, in the 1800s, I believe, uh, there was a lot of upheaval going on. So there's, there's that. And um, just, in, just in general, the guy who brought this, you know, according, according to the, the notes we have here, the guy, Francois Anibal Destre, uh, he, he was a French noble, like, war guy. He was, a, he, he was like the commander-in-chief of the French forces. And his military career took him to Italy, like the Alpine regions of northern Italy, and to Germany, and, so, and everywhere in between. So he had a Rhine campaign, he had an Italian campaign. So, and then after that... He was the French envoy to Rome, and this is a time when the Medici's were still like a family. They were originally an Italian family, but a lot of them ended up being the monarchs of France due to all of that intermarrying. So we have this guy who's doing military campaigning all through this Alpine region, tasting all of the local stuff, and... I just find it fascinating. Like I find it fascinating that he also has that big Roman connection and it ended up in the hands of the order of St. Bruno. So I think, I mean, I wish there was more information out there on this guy, but it's super compelling to me. Like it does, it's not a stretch for me to imagine this guy. Obviously he gets to taste the best of the best. He's like the commander in chief of French forces. And uh, I believe you called him a war guy. Yeah, he's a war. Well, I don't, I don't remember the, he's like the marshal or something, Mar the Marshal de France or whatever, but uh, head war guy, head, head war guy gets a lot of really good stuff brought to him. The finest of wines and alcohol things. Right. And well, and of course, schnapps, different schnapps, uh, different fruit and uh, sort of infused distillates that are popular in these, in these Alpine regions. Amari, right. Yeah. There are Amari at this point in time. So, yeah, it, it doesn't surprise me that this guy is the one who introduced this sort of elixir to the Carthusian monks. So um, we're going to be tasting this in a slightly achronological fashion in that we're starting with yellow chartreuse. Uh, this was the second of the two products or the second of the two main products that was launched. The green launched first um, and then the yellow launched after. So um, why don't we start by tasting this and then we can maybe talk about why that was. Yeah. Go for it. So we've got our Glen Cairns here. Um, these have had plenty of time to air out. For the uninitiated, you want to talk a little bit about the Glen Cairn glass and why these are great for not just drinking but tasting. <clears throat> yeah, Glen Cairn glasses. Um, you know, they're shaped in such a way that the uh, the bowl of the glass sort of aggregates the aroma, and then the 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 narrower sort of bell shaped flute of the glass concentrates it so it's it's kind of kept in the glass a little bit by that shape and then when you knows that knows it you 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 get a really focused sort of dense aromatic profile um this would be as opposed to tasting something in like a copita like you would get mezcal and it, it's sort of a wide-sided a wide mouth bowl so 
uh, nosing this, I mean, first thing we notice is that it's very, very yellow. And um, that is due to the presence of a, a decent amount of saffron in here. Saffron is one of the key botanicals. And for those of you who don't know what saffron smells like, it's it's got a bit of a dusty smell, right? Yeah, I was going to say, uh, you know, I'm going to probably be providing some of the weirder tasting notes. I was going to say old book. Yeah. Yep. Uh, That's an old book. Sap, well, and a lot of people don't have saffron because it's super expensive. It's very labor intensive to uh, to process in the fields, and so that's why it's so expensive. Uh, it is a prized ingredient in a lot of uh, Spanish cuisine, uh, paella uh, being a noteworthy example. But yeah, uh, so this has fewer botanicals. The green actually has over 120 different botanicals and spices in it. Um, I don't have my notes from the seminar I took in 2017 at Tales of the Cocktail where we talked about how many botanicals the, the yellow has, but I'd say about half is is about what I recall, although I could be very wrong on that. Um, that would put you around 60 to 70. Yeah, somewhere somewhere in that neighborhood. It's still, it's still don't get me wrong, complete, uh, completely complex. And, um, you know, obviously if you're, if you look at what it does in the glass, it's got some serious legs on it. This is a, this is a sweet, sipper um definitely this well i think i haven't tasted the uh the ninth centenary but i think the sweetest thing we have um so let's let's take a, a little sip here and especially with a liqueur like this i really encourage you to chew it get that get that sugar to coat your entire mouth because that's going to allow you to take your second approach in more of like a primed way usually when you're tasting you want to take that first sip and be like all right Okay, like get your palate a little bit used to it. Give it, let it stretch its legs out, so to speak. And then you take the second sip and that's where you really want to start evaluating. Um, yeah. Two things I'm getting right off the, right off the bat are you know, your anise and your, uh, and your fennel. It's mm -hmm. right there. And, um, you know, I think some of this, what it reminds me of in not a bad way, and you should probably talk a little bit about the distillate base here, yeah. is it's got a little bit in, in common with a grappa. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is a great base distillate. Uh, and... This is sort of the third. The three things I wanted to talk about were Jean-Antoine Priest Savarin, the judge. I wanted to talk about the the war guy um, and his contributions. And then, um, uh, you know, the, the Wikipedia game where you you uh, click and see how many clicks it takes you to get to Hitler? Yeah. Um, you know, there are other versions of that where you just have a start and a finish. But yeah, sure. Fair, fair. It doesn't always have to be like that. I've never played this game myself. Um, but... There's a similar, in my mind, it's like all roads lead to phylloxera, which was the yes. epidemic um, that spread through the rootstock of a lot of French vines. Basically, it was our, it was Americans' fault. We sent some uh, some rootstock with this uh, with this little uh, parasite, the phylloxera parasite, and it got into some of the French vines, and they were not immune to it, and it just ravaged the entire landscape of the French, uh, wine industry. And, um, so the reason why this was the second thing produced is that, well, France needed to recover from phylloxera and get some more vines in the ground before they had enough grape based distillate before, let alone like think about it, most of the grapes go into wine. So you got to get some wine made and then it's probably going to take another couple years for you to get any sort of surfeit that you're going to be used to distill. Um, so anyway, that's why the, the grape distillate base, uh, was the second of the two launched. And, um, you definitely get a little bit of grapiness. Uh, I, for me, the main notes are, uh, like fennel, as you mentioned, uh, definitely I get like that carrot, like, 
um, like almost like a like a, a wild carrot flavor in here, like a root vegetable kind of thing. Uh, more like the I'm 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 blanking on the botanical. Um, it's one of the binding botanicals in gin. Um, not orris root, but uh, another not Angelica. Angelica, yeah, 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 Angelica? yeah. Sorry, Angelica, exactly. Um, so that has sort of like a wild carrot taste to it. You um, know what this might be? We'll never know because these French ash monks are not going to tell us. Uh, tarragon. Tarragon um, has a lot of the same characteristics on on the tongue as your anise and your fennel. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, it plays very prominently in French cuisine. Do, goes well with chamomile, which I'm also getting. I, I would go so far as to say all of that is in there. Um, so friend of the podcast and uh, distiller over at um, Winden Distilling Company out in St. Michael's, uh, Brett Steigerwald. He and I actually were able to source some botanicals straight from France and actually do some sensory evaluation of the actual raw materials. And um, there's a couple other things that that would come into this. I believe Costmary, which is an alpine herb, um, Genepi. This definitely has plenty of Genepi in there. So between the notes that we're um, spitting out right now, I would be I would go so far as to say that like I would say 90% of those are in there, and there's probably very few wrong guesses in what we just spat out. Among other things he might have just made up, Glargenbush leaf. <laughs> I'm not making this up. Um, Holtzy baby, hit us with some notes. I mean... <clears throat> no wrong answer, though. Definitely kind of like an interesting, almost, uh, this won't be very like flattering to say, but almost like a little bit of hint of like a mouthwash type of thing, like kind of licorice-y mm-hmm. or like minty. Um, I would say that licorice root is- Mouthwash is definitely in. not, yeah, not, not a, that's a con. You know but what Like though? minty or licorice, like very candy, obviously very sweet. Um, they were inventing this stuff though when a lot of the early battlefield medicine was uh, <laughs> taking place. Uh, Listerine, one of the- Initial uses as an Clearly, antiseptic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, um, you can well, definitely amputate a limb, dip it in this, and. I think that just might work. That sounds right. That sounds yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Well, and those, those are good notes. Mint, mint is a huge, there's, there's multiple different types of mint that are used in these things. So you're, you're totally on, you're totally on with that. You don't need to be, don't need to be embarrassed if, if, if the thing that you say sounds like a bad thing because, you know, like, like, like wet hay is a tasting note or like, barnyard like those aren't compliments but uh, a lot of spirits uh aficionados really seek out those funky notes so yeah um so yeah the last thing i'd say is that it's sort of a i I believe this is sweetened with honey and i think that between the honey and the grape distillate base i think that could account for the extra price point in the yellow chartreuse um as well as probably i would say a heavier hit of saffron so those three items right there could be the justification for that higher price point um uh cocktails with yellow chartreuse there's not a ton of them out there and you you won't see it used nearly as much as the green uh mostly because it's it's not as it's not as uh freaking weird it's this is a little bit more mainstream tasting than the green and i can't speak for the the ninth uh centenary but uh but yeah the widow's kiss is one cocktail out there that I've had with yellow chartreuse and enjoyed. Um, so if you're if you're out there, look up the widow's kiss. Um, for those of you who listen to the podcast, we'll we'll probably set that as like the featured uh, 
cocktail for for this episode. So uh, if you're checking us out on the live stream and you want to learn about the widow's kiss, head over to the podcast on all major podcast platforms. So that's yellow. All right. Ready for uh, green chartreuse? Yeah. What's our What are we stepping up in ABV? So we start at forty percent. Your mm. standard uh, Your standard liquor a little bit higher than your standard liqueur. We're moving up to what 50? 55? Uh, 55? Yes, fifty five. Yes. So this is gonna be hot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, we didn't uh, didn't start with the, that ABV. Um, yeah. So I mean, 40, 40 is what we would call probably atypical in the in the liqueur arena um 55 definitely atypical 55 is an overproof spirit this is an overproof digestif in my world uh-huh yeah. yeah yeah if you mix up a bijou you're getting a pretty heavy hit of booze a bijou a last well and a last word's a little sweet you got the bijou, lime juice you got the yeah, shake you yeah, get yeah. a little bit out of there B- bijou's probably going to be your your boot yeah that's your booze bomb um a bijou is probably about this one of the slowest up cocktails that you're going to sip yeah, uh, you gotta you gotta take that real slow. And so, w- which is to say, if you're gonna make yourself a bijou, try and chill down that glass ahead of time because you're not. By the time you get down to the end of it, Holtz, talk to me about some bijou stuff. Big fan of that cocktail. I actually just tried it for the first time, not even probably three months ago. I made it myself at home initially on your recommendation. Actually, um, big fan. You know, when you have not only the green chartreuse, but with the gin and and the several other ingredients in there. I mean. It all blends together very well, but I will say I think that green chartreuse on its own, even just you know taking a little sniff of it from the glass, it can have um, a pretty I, th- I think biting uh, smell, very strong yeah. smell. Kind of kind of gives you a little like you know yeah, um, wakes you up. Yeah, right, exactly. But no, a great cocktail. Yeah, and I believe the Bijou cocktail. I believe the story behind that. It's uh, it's. It's gin, sweet vermouth, and uh, chartreuse, correct? Yep. And um, nice, uh, if you're doing it right, nice ribbon of orange zest. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You got to have that in there. Uh, but uh, the the green chartreuse is symbolic of emeralds. The gin is symbolic of diamonds. And then the sweet vermouth of rubies. So your three most precious gems are sort of embodied in, in this bijou cocktail. Um, so what do you get on the nose with the green, Ethan? I mean, besides, it definitely has, it's definitely hotter on the nose. You definitely, when, so for, for those of you out at home who are, um, you know, trying to up your tasting game, one of the things you really want to do, especially with something that's high proof is, is open your mouth, open your mouth when you're, when you're nosing and don't just breathe through your nose, breathe also, breathe also, breathe also through your mouth. Um, um, and don't stick your nose straight down the Glencairn glass. I just burned off some of my nose hairs doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and if you're, if you're going to get like the closer your nose is, the more you want to breathe through your mouth. Like you can still get it in there, but you really want to make sure that you're breathing through your mouth. And this is actually a big challenge because this is a liqueur. If this was just a spirit, these aromas would be more volatile in that they're not sitting there kind of trapped in this sticky sugar. So with this, you actually do need to get your nose in there, but you got to be real gentle with it if you want a really accurate arom- uh, aromatic analysis. Yeah, what I'm getting here is I'm getting some clover. Ooh, I like that. I'm getting more mint than the last one. I'll tell you. It's green. It's supposed to be. You know, green tastes like mint. You know that. Yeah. Um, man, drinking chartreuse straight is is quite the experience, especially the green it really, uh, it's got a good numb, got a mm-hmm. good numbing effect on the tongue. 
Well, and that's that is not only due to the ethanol, but also to some of the the mintier sort of uh, and and it, it, there's not just mint in here. There's things like mace, which has a numbing quality. Close. There's so um, getting back to you know the green chartreuse has over 120 herbs and spices in there. About the breakdown is about a third of these are sourced in the locality in that area of east central France around Waron in the mountains. Beautiful, beautiful area. Do you think, as an aside, so there's three monks that know the recipe. Do you think that third is covered by one monk? I I will not speculate are about these, that. Are these monks have like regional territories, like they, salespeople? <laughs> well, is this like, uh, is this like uh, Dunder Mifflin, uh, Scranton versus Stanford? Yeah, so you got your, uh, you got your Voron guy, you got <laughs> your New World guy. There are New World things in here, right? One would imagine, uh, but I don't think that I don't know if you can rest on that as a certainty, because if you think about when, like the 1700s, what counts as New World? Uh, I, I guess they've had about 200 years prior to the 1700 to really establish some trade routes. So, well, I mean, let's think about where France was uh, focusing their engines. You got the mm-hmm. fur trapping up north. You got the sugar production down south. So there's beaver. You're saying there's beaver. Um, I'm saying there could be beaver. Maybe some badger. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, so I don't have any badger in this. I am getting, there is another note in here that, you know, it's marmot, I, marmot. I did say originally what I told cause the first time I drank this and I stand by it today. This tastes like forest floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a truly special aroma. I, I really enjoy just simply nosing green chartreuse because, you know, there, there's something to be said for levels of complexity. And, you know, 120 herbs and spices, like, that's not your grandma's sauce recipe. That's not where she's like, and the secret is to roast the garlic. This is like 120 secrets, which is a practice in complexity that it's hard for the mind to fathom, which is, again, which is why I, it's a really contemplative spirit for me because it's, it's uh, there, there's so much mystery with it. The, chart, uh, the order uh, of St. Bruno, the Carthusian monks, they're actually a silent order so that that's a further level of mystery. They're, they're allowed to talk for about half a day on Sunday or it's like Sunday or Monday where they go out for a walk in the mountains and they pair up and they're allowed to talk with their buddy. And basically it's to make sure that they're not going insane due to the silence. Um, and other than that, it's prayer. It's a very ascetic um sect they are they live in small sort of stone floored uh very sparely decorated um little apartments and each of them has a vocation or a job to keep the to keep the um the charter house which is another name for an abbey um that's why it's called chartreuse it's a charter house chartreuse Mm. um that's uh so they, they each have their own little special jobs and being the guy who makes the liqueur is actually one of those jobs so the the monks um right now it's minister benoit and then there's brother jean jacques according to our notes here uh i don't know if brother jean jacques got to pick it he may have just been like the guy who succeeded the guy before him and do you think they were walk talk buddies maybe they could have been walkie talkie buddies Imagine if you were assigned a monk who was just a complete dick. Like, what if you don't get along with your? <laughs> I don't talk think buddy? they get to be complete dicks. One would hope. Um, I, you, I mean, 
All right, let's go back to tasting notes. Yep. I'm getting some pepper. I'm getting some cinnamon. Yeah, I, I'm t- for me uh, definitely some cinnamon. I to me, mace is is one of those big tasting notes for this. And and uh, if you've ever had mace before, you know that it's a little bit different than pepper. It's like a very it's a it's a pepper that's got some other stuff going on, and it does have that numbing quality. So for me, that's the mace. Do you get bitter on the back of the tongue? A little bit. Uh, I, I'd say that there's um, there's a good amount of genipe in here for sure. I mean, chartreuse is part of arguably part of a larger category of liqueur of alpine liqueurs called genipe. Um, House Dolan has a couple of expressions uh, in the same place where all of us bartendery people like to get our um, our vermouths, the the vermouth de Chambéry. Um, but uh, but yeah, so. Um, it, it's very green. It's It's got a lot of similar notes to the yellow, uh, but it's just got more. It, everything is more with this to me. And so um, the last word cocktail is definitely going to be the, the most popular way to consume chartreuse in cocktail format. It's equal parts gin, green chartreuse, maraschino liqueur. Um, so like that Luxardo bottle with a little straw, woven straw mat around the, the, the barrel. And then um, one ounce of lime juice as well. So it's, uh, and the thing about the last word is that it's, it's, it's an equal parts cocktail. And the last word family is, is fascinating to me because like, what's a Negroni? A Negroni is an equal parts cocktail without citrus. So it's stirred and you're like, all right, I can kind of see how these things can get along together. It's still awesome that they all get along the Campari, the gin, and the sweet vermouth. But the last word is a freaking miracle. There is nothing about any of those ingredients besides maybe the chartreuse and the gin or the chartreuse and the maraschino that seem like they would work together. But lime juice really has no business being in there. Limes were not around. Like, there's no limes in France. It wasn't like somebody in France was like, oh, hey, these are naturally occurring together, you know? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to challenge you a bit on that. All right, so one, if you were getting the ingredients for chartreuse, you had access to trade. Two... If you think about what uh, what what a Campari involves, it's a very citrus-forward, bitter liqueur. You make up the other half of the herbaceousness that you would find in a uh, last word in your vermouth. What you are still missing is the acid. I think they're actually kind of close. Kind of, but as soon as you shake, as soon as you do a shaken, and as soon right, as there's you no add air acid, in a Negroni, you're right. You're right. Yeah. So it's it's to me it's it's a I would say it's but my favorite funny. cocktail. It, it the green chartreuse is my favorite liquid. I like to say, and the last word is my favorite cocktail. Uh, and it's been really cool. We actually did uh, in the commercial kitchen. We did a run of brandy cherries, and that's going to be your traditional garnish for a last word. You either skewer it on a cocktail pick, or you serve it in a coupe, and the the brandy cherry sits right at the base of the coupe where Marie Antoinette's nipple would be. If you believe the apocryphal story about the coupe class being um, derived from the shape of, of Marie Antoinette's breasts. Just so much variation in the size of coupe glasses. It's true. That's fair. We didn't have good measurements back then, but it is another French reference. Sorry for hitting the mic there. Um, So, so yeah, that's green chartreuse. Uh, There's a lot more to say about this stuff. It's really tricky to, I think, get down to the bones of it without also sticking your head in some like bags of real botanicals and, and being able to, to do some sensory evaluations there. That's why Brett and I did it, to be honest. Well, you have lots of bags of botanicals. I've helped make the bitters. It used to be more of my time than I would like to admit. Now mm-hmm. it's a weekend deal, but yeah. 
you're you, you're face first in a lot of bags of botanicals. And one other note I should mention before we uh, before we move on is a uh, huge huge amount of lemon balm in this. Oh, let me get at that because yeah. I had a I had several <clears throat> bushes of that going on my back yeah. patio this summer. Yeah, a lot of lemon blam. And yeah, it does. Oh, yeah. You do get a good bitterness on the back of the tongue, but it's. It's to me. It's not a vegetal bitterness. To me, it's a spice. It's a dry bitterness that I think comes from whatever peppercorns or mace or uh, barks. Bark. It it comes from dried roots, dried barks, dried spices. I think that's where that bitterness is coming from. Gotcha. Um, I I get the sense that there's probably not just mace in here. There's probably some black pepper as well. I'm getting like a distinct black pepper bitterness. Yeah, they were pulling from far and wide. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. Holtz, you got anything anything on the green before we uh, before we move on here? I mean, I would definitely agree with the more as Ethan said earlier, uh, minty for sure. I did get a hint of cinnamon, but I also um, I feel like I tasted a bit almost um, citrusy, and I don't know if ultimately, yeah, that could just be me, but um, almost like a hint of what could be flavors that could be either lemon or lime. But hey, that's just that's that's I got a bit of that. So there you go. But definitely there, more. There may be some dried peel in here. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. More so yes. bitterness than anything else. And one question, real quick, cause for your average listener: when you say mace, you're not referring to chemicals that are involved in a little spray that I don't uh, many think, people carry on them these no, days. Correct? I, I don't think it's the same. No it's, relation. It's not. It's not kept. No relation. Um, but it's uh yeah it's a it's a berry it's a, it's it's like a pepper it's like a peppercorn uh, and it's ground in, in the same way and it's it's probably closer the closest thing I can describe and for anybody who listens to cooking issues you probably you just heard about this on on the latest issue uh, or the latest episode um it, the closest note I can give is that mace is closer to white pepper than black pepper yeah I was hesitant to say white pepper um, I don't taste a lot of mace I was getting all right so the other numbing factor I'm just remembering clove oil has a very uh, heavy numbing characteristic. And anyone who went through a goth phase who smoked clove cigarettes also knows this. It's uh, it's the reason why it goes in there. It's also a uh, low grade dental numbing agent in less uh, in, I hate in, in medical markets that are not dominated by Western insurance companies. People will use clove oil to calm dental pain. Uh, another random cooking issues fact. I think Dave Arnold, when he had the salmon people on, I believe they were talking about how people are using clove oil or eugenol uh, would being the active flavor ingredient, but clove oil to put salmon to sleep before yeah. they kill them. Yeah. So, yeah, weird things in the world of spices. Um, I'm glad we just figured out how to make chartreuse not vegan. Yeah. For our listeners. Let's kill some fish with yeah, it. Yeah, let's, let's <laughs> alienate all five of our listeners, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, so, so that's green chartreuse. Uh, both of these bottles should be available at what I would call nice liquor stores. So like total wine and up. Yep. You would probably find this in everything except for the closest liquor store to our houses. Yeah. It's, um, it, it basically, if they have any sort of curation going on in their selection, if they have something local, then they probably also have a good import section. So, um, it's not one of those things where you even really need to call ahead, there's a four out of five chance that you're going to walk in and be able to source a bottle of this. So for me, that's, that's good enough. Um, So do you want to uh, welcome us to our main event here? Oh boy, here we go. So this, I'm just going to tell a little bit more backstory. We kind of got into this already. 
I was, as we do during the pandemic, I was shopping online for some liquor, <laughs> which is a great thing to do on a Thursday afternoon because Friday's payday. And, you know, normally I'm looking at Domestique for a few natural wines, a weird rum or two, maybe an Amaro if I'm getting zesty. Uh, if, I look, if you go there, ask for Eric. Yes. Uh, people named Eric generally. Uh, that's another thing. Four out of five liquor stores, four out of five Eric's <laughs> can help you find chartreuse. <laughs> Fact. Yes. Um, so shout out to Eric Holtzman on the soundboard. Yeah, that's, yeah. he does have a first name. We call him Holtzy. That's true. That's just to differentiate. Just uh, another Eric. Anyways, continue, gentlemen. Yeah, so I was shopping around for some liquors, added some nice rums to my shopping cart, and then I saw that they, that in the liqueur section, there were not one, not two, not three, but four different genopies being featured. Mm. And so I copied all the links, sent them to Kaz in an email, and said, hey, which of these would you be least mad about me having? Yeah, that was an interesting... Actually, the, the negotiation process that we went through in determining it is, it is, it's really good. We're going to, we're going to get into the nose in a second. Uh, the, the negotiation process for figuring out which of these bottles to source. Cause as I mentioned earlier, they had the elixir vegetal, uh, which I've tried and it, it's good. It's good. Uh, they, it, it comes in a cool, like little wooden, like yeah. it's got like a wooden case to the bottle. It's actually pretty cool. And it, what was that? That was like 40. It was, it was Real cheap because it's it comes in a or really small. Bucks. It comes in a really small container. It's like a 200 ml bottle, I think. Yeah. So it was that was like a rounding error on that order at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So well, that that is fairly available. We declined to source that bottle because we're probably going to come across it again. Uh, the other one, as we mentioned earlier, was the uh, bottle designed by the French Court of Sommeliers or whatever it was, and. For whatever reason, the descriptions on it were like not all that, just less compelling. Yeah, so it's basically well, get a bunch of wine people. They're gonna try and make sure. Uh, and I think like they came up with something that was very different. Yeah. And I was just like, ah, I'm not interested in what a bunch of people who aren't the monks are gonna do with this. Like that, that seems like a little. That seems like the same project that you and I are doing right now. We're making our own fernet. Yeah. Uh, and that's a cool project. We're just going to drink it. We're not going to try and sell it to anybody. Yeah, I'll try that another time. This one, I would also like to just point out the bottle shape. We didn't get into this before. The bottle shape and design is actually based on the chartreuse that was available in the 1840s. Mm -hmm. So this bottle design, this is, while the contents of it, we have no idea. But two things that I want to talk about with chartreuse bottles before we yep. continue. One is that... This is an approximation of the chartreuse. Well, you have French ancestors, right? So your great, great, great DeRochers might have been drinking. It's possible. And the other thing that's interesting about these bottles. We're Catholics. Yeah. Uh, is that they are hand-blown and very hard to break. So you can, I'm not telling you to do this. I just told you a little while ago. Are they hand-blown? Like, this has a like seam 50, in it. 50, 60 bucks a bottle. This has a seam. Gosh, you're the one who told me this. Damn it. They're hard to break. I'm yeah. just saying, don't drop your chartreuse on the ground. Don't throw it on the ground. But they all have seams. They're not hand-blown, but they're, 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 they're very, very nice. Damn it. All right. Well, you blew up my spot with the thing that you told me that wasn't true. Let's get into tasting notes. Okay. Well, that was past Eric. Um, I'm getting latex paint. Like the stuff you get yeah. from Home Depot to do your walls. Not in a bad way. It's interesting. This is different than the first time I nosed it. What does this ABV? 
This is 47%. So this is sitting almost smack dab in the middle between the 55 and the 40. How pissed would you be if they just poured like half a bottle of each into there? <laughs> That's exactly what they did. They're, they're like, you and I were actually uh, evaluating a rum recently, and it was a 50-50 blend of column and pot still, I believe. And I was like, uh, it just seems like they didn't care about that. Like they didn't try a bunch of different blends. They're like, mm, let's do the 50 50 well, you know, we'll we'll see if they'll sponsor an episode and maybe I'll think differently. Yeah, that's true. Um, uh, this smells musty in a different way than the yellow did. So it's not old library book. It is like... It is like, darker. This is tweed coat. This is old tweed coat. I guess. Yeah, it, you know, it's got some cedar. I think, I think you know, what's, what's a tweed coat? Tweed coat smells like whatever it sits in. Generally, you're going to keep your jackets in like a cedar closet, keep the moths out of it. I, smells I, like it should have been dry clean, but wasn't, yeah. It's a little bit musty. I think mus- musty and cedary. Um, cedary is kind of that piney, sappy smell, but it's also a little spicy. Um, so, like, the difference between pine and cedar would be pine has that higher sappy note, and cedar has still a bit of that mentholation, but also, like, a sort of old, dusty smell to it. Um, if you've smelled a cedar chest, you, you can you can get on par with me here. All right. Um, it's a weird smell. You know, one of the things about chartreuse that to me makes it across the board compelling is that um is that it is almost impossible to describe in terms of a few set tasting notes especially on the nose on the palate you can start to pull out some identifying factors but on the nose you know it's it's a it's a perfect exercise in the whole being greater than the sum of its parts especially on the nose all right what else are you getting since i give you latex paint and musty sweater I, I get a lot of cedar. Uh, underneath that, I'm still getting some of that base genipe, right? So, like, if you smell the genipe, you'll you'll get it. Like, I, I get like I, I could tell you, I could tell you that this is a genipe with with a blindfold on. But there's a lot of pine in there, yeah, yeah. And, and it does have like like you said that it, it's latex that latex paint note is basically what you're indicating is a sharpness um, potentially from ethanol. I mean, this is 47. percent It's not nothing. It's not the ethanol though. It's not. It's not a burn. There's something else. Let's let's uh let's take a taste and see what we get. It is a funk though. That's pretty cool. Um, heavy on the anise right away. Yeah, right up top. Mm. But then something else going on. I get some some really fresh menthol, like mentholation, like like spearmint. Yeah. Sorry to blow up your spot, but that thing on your wall. Yes. Yeah, we do. We do have a nice poster. I couldn't I was going to hang it right here, but uh, then I realized that it was uh, glass on the front and would be obnoxiously reflecting these lights into the uh, eyes of the viewers. So look for the show notes for causes vintage chartreuse advertising. It's poster. not vintage. I got it at that seminar. It was a it was a poster that they gave us at that seminar. and I framed it as if it was vintage. You can lie. Not anymore. Um, got a little bit of dog. I get mustard. Mustard, yes. I was going to go wet dog. Mustard is a nicer way to put it. I get mustards like yellow or like not yellow mustard, but like a, like like a spicy mustard. Spicy yeah. mustard. Um, and for those of you, side note, another great place to, to visit in France is Dijon. Uh, if you're going to go there, if you're interested in Burgundy, which is another fascinating region in terms of like the history of how things were like broken up and complexified by the uh, fallout from the French Revolution, Burgundy is a fascinating place to visit. It's drop dead beautiful. And uh, Dijon is the major metro hub in that area. And yeah, the mustard is, is that good. 
All right, Kaz, you're a bit more of a tea guy than me. Ooh, um, I like getting, tea. I'm getting tea, but is it black? Is it green? Does it matter? Bergamot? Bergamot's no. an orange. No, no, no. Give it a taste. Give it a taste. I get a little bit, like, I can see, like, a green tea on the nose. Um, or, like, a jasmine on the nose. It, um, I think it, there could be some It some lingers jasmine. after on the tongue that it has a little bit of a... It's a green tea. Might be a Lipton. I'm a Lipton man. Or maybe a Twinnings. Let's not go down the British tea hole. <laughs> Sounds wrong. Yeah, I don't want to. <laughs> the old British tea hole. Um, yeah, so I, I would say, so here, here are my um, observations on how this is different than the yellow and the green chartreuse. One, I think there's a different methylation profile. And by that, I mean, I think we're getting like some of that mustardy, some of that, like that mustardy aroma and probably like a spearmint going on in there as opposed to like, like, uh, you know how when we make our bitters, we'll have two formulations that have the same ingredient in them, but oftentimes we'll tweak the, the amount of that ingredient based on the, based on the different flavor we're trying to make it seems like they probably just messed with their mint profile right um to get it more 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 in the in the region of spearmint and less in the region of like a peppermint or a lemon balm yeah i see that because there are multiple mints in here that's that's not even a that's no question definitely got a lot of mint it's got a lot of uh, pine i said thyme, and now i'm thinking maybe the tea that i was getting was thyme yeah, I could see time like mountain time. Time is definitely something that they they use uh, quite a bit as well. Um, I can one, see some time in here. One interesting thing: lemon to, time might be lemon time. Um, one thing to you know, I'm cheating here, but I did do some research on this, and okay. on one of the sites that sells it, they did a dietary warning. Sesame seeds are in this. They had a warning for people who are allergic to sesame seeds. <gasps> Oh my god! Um, yeah, so that's... I got the EpiPen back here. <laughs> You're fine, man. All right. Um, yeah, that well, and that kind of plays into that mustardy note that I'm getting because they're both savory. Uh, depending on the extent to which you activate the oils in the sesame seeds, I mean, we we actually do use sesame seeds in um, in our Iki Japanese bitters. Don't uh, give away the ingredients. <laughs> um, <laughs> So uh, I, I can see how that savory note might play well. I, there's there's definitely something savory in the uh, the ninth centenary version that's not necessarily present in the green or the yellow. Um, there's definitely some special ingredients in there, and even if they exist in the other two, they're definitely cranked way up uh, flavor wise in in the ninth centenary. This is not a mixing. To no, me. this is a uh, this is an after dinner drink. Um, Holtzy, what kind of meal would you this with i feel like well to start off with you're absolutely right i think of it as purely a digestive you know and after um after meal drink in terms of the actual meal i'm going i'm torn between like either uh like a poultry so chicken or seafood as opposed to say you know steak like a hearty beef bourguignon yeah as opposed to right so as, as opposed to like steak or red meat i'm personally going more the seafood or um i'll just call meat light route so whether that's chicken or duck i can see this with a nice like chop a nice little pork chop or that works too 
pork could work. I guess I just meant like, yeah, um, not feeling it on the steak vibe, feeling it on like the lighter side, so to speak. So one of the things that I really like about this um, is the finish on it. I think it has an incredibly long finish compared to the other two uh, flavors. And one last element I want to point out on process here is I'm not sure about the yellow, although I'm, I'm, I have a feeling that they probably do it across the board, but these are sort of allowed to marry for quite a long time in gigundo neutral oak tanks. And what I mean by neutral is that they are just used over and over and over again. So it's not like, you know, like in in, uh, the U.S., bourbon can only be aged in a barrel once, and then that barrel has to go off and do something else. So this is not, they're not charred tanks. It's just a neutral oak tank that's been used over and over and over again. The idea is not to impart the flavors of the wood into the product, but to allow the product to allow all these, like think about there's 120 people in here that need to be friends before we put it in a bottle and give it to people. So it allows the flavors to marry in the same way that like your curry tastes better the day after, after it sat in the fridge same kind of concept applies to spirits. And I believe the notes on this, the production wise, this is allowed to age for five years Oh, before it's bottled. And I don't think that green or yellow is aged for quite that long, maybe like a year or two, but this is five years. And so when I'm thinking about the finish here, I get a different sugar profile. I'm not quite sure if this is a blend of distillate bases. I don't, were there any notes on the distillate base anywhere? I couldn't find any. Looking into that, I'm not sure. Because for, to me, way. I get a different sugar profile on this than I do with the green or the yellow, which makes me think it could either be a blend of distillate bases um, or um, or a different sweetener. Yeah, this um, has nothing. Uh, nothing. Even my rudimentary French knows yeah. that all I know is it was made in 2019. Yeah, and this, this to me on that finish. So uh, in our interview with Jake, uh, Jake Parrott, who works for House Alpens and does a lot of work with not only Genepi but also the oxidized wines of the of the south of France and the north of Spain. Uh, right. Yeah, uh, they have an entire portfolio kind of broken out called Sotolone Selections, and Sotolone um, is the flavor compound that you get in like maple syrup. And that you get in fenugreek. Yes. So, like, we use the fenugreek in our uh, liquid gold ancient trade bitters. So, for me, on the finish, I'm getting that sir- maple syrupy, almost sodalone esque flavor profile. Yes. Uh, do you get hibiscus? I mean, not sorry, not hibiscus, eucalyptus. Yeah. And I, I believe eucalyptus. Well, actually, we just had this conversation the other day. Because it reminds me of the uh, nose on that uh, fourth age. It does. It does. Yeah. Um, so Sorry the real question here, here's a question spot. for the for the for the listeners and the watchers out there, uh, the viewers I guess the watchers we are the watchers. Um, so uh, do we think that chartreuse contains eucalyptus because it's a very popular flavoring botanical, but I think it's native to Australia. I believe it's native, and I don't think there was much commerce going from Australia to mainland Europe in the 16, 17. But this is a 1984 expression. It's 19. Yeah, true, true. All right. So I guess we could say eucalyptus probably. Maybe. Yeah. Um, it's got m- something mushroomy going on as well. I think the green also has that mushroominess. Um, the yellow. So, so to summarize, if you're thinking about, especially the two bottles back here, and then we'll work in the, the ninth centenary edition. 
if you're thinking about what these bottles are like and what to use them for, the yellow is very friendly. It's very soft. It's honeyed. It's a little bit grapey from the distillate base. Uh, it's got some saffron for a little bit of character. Um, it's very approachable, kind of sweet though. The green, obviously the ABV is way up. Um, and that's going to be the feisty one. The green chartreuse, hundred twenty herbs and botanicals. That's what you're going to use in your funky herbal cocktails. Last word being the most popular. And then with this ninth centenary, I, I, I think it's, a, it is, it's to me, it just screams finesse. And I'm really glad that we got this one instead of the, um, sommelier edition because man this is special and i it's i need to think about it i need to return to this bottle and try and figure some stuff out you know it's it's a very very thought-provoking expression especially when you're able to taste it side by side with the other two yep so um gentlemen we've we've uh we've done a hell of a job here three different chartreuses three up three down uh, i've really enjoyed doing this i've i've certainly learned some flavor things here tonight uh anything else you guys want to add before we wrap up and uh i have to go apologize to the entire instagram community for um doing a shitty job setting up the uh the phone um ask your local ace hardware uh paint specialist for the tasting notes on the different colors you get next time you're doing a room yeah exactly uh holty anything you want to add all i really have to say is that I learned a heck of a lot and I learned that um, there are a whole lot more, you know, tasting and other sensory notes you can get uh, from this liquor than I probably ever would have thought possible. So no, I had a great time. That was great. Look forward to the next one. Nothing further to add other than, yeah, I learned a thing or two. Mm. Cause why don't we bring it in for a uh, cheers for the Instagram people? It's true. Cheers to the Instagram folks. That was like the one time. I guarantee you no one's watching right now. I mean, I could peek my head in, but yeah. All right, let's kill this. Um, so, so yeah, just um, just to wrap up here, um, you can find the podcast on all of your favorite podcasting uh, distribution platforms, uh, including Spotify, including YouTube, including Amazon Music. If you can't find somewhere where it is, I'll send you some, some free stuff for, uh, for pointing that out. Um, and then in terms of social media, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook by, uh, doing a little at search for modern bar cart. And we're going to keep on rolling out these live streams. We're going to do a better job with the Instagram video first and foremost. And, uh, we've got a couple of special things planned for you. Uh, noteworthy ones. We're going to be doing a holiday gift guide where we're going to be busting out some cool toys and recommending, uh, some gifts, for the cocktail lover in your life. And um, and then also we're going to probably be doing a, a few cool little tastings before the year is out here uh, just to kind of get ready for our big 2021 sort of like twice a month live streaming thing. So um, everybody out there, get excited. And uh, this is Eric Koslick here with Ethan Hall and Eric Holtzman. Thank you for joining us for this live rare chartreuse tasting. And uh, lastly, if you have any questions or you want to follow up with us, feel free to email podcast at modernbarcart.com and we'll catch you next time. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, there's two big things you can do for us here at Modern Bar Cart. One would be to tell your friends and family if you think they'd enjoy listening to us talk about cocktails. And if 
they don't download podcasts, they can always stream our episodes on their desktop directly from the show notes page at modernbarcart.com. The other thing you can do to help would be to head on over to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and leave us a review. Five stars are great, but we're more interested in your feedback. And the beauty is, the more reviews we have, the easier it will be for other folks out there to learn about our show. We're trying to start a cocktail revolution here, and by spreading the word, you're helping us fight the good fight. You can always reach us by emailing podcast at modernbarcart.com if you're looking for cocktail or bartending advice, or if you're a pro who would like to pull up a mic and be interviewed for all to hear. Also, definitely follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Modern Bar Cart for cocktail porn, recipes, and entertaining tips. And keep an eye out for new product releases and special offers, which are happening all the time. We love our listeners, and we really enjoy giving you exclusive discounts and sneak peeks at our latest and greatest cocktail projects. This episode may be over, but for you, the mixological fun and adventures are just beginning. So remember, folks, drink responsibly and experiment boldly. This episode was made possible with editing and sound design by Samantha Reed, production and stream management by Eric Holtzman, great bottle of rare chartreuse courtesy of ethan hall and domestique wine here in dc and a little bit of tasting magic by yours truly this has been a modern bar cart production copyright 2020